0: Hello, my name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a butterfly, and I love film. As Andre Guide once said, it is better to be hated for what you are than to be loved for what you are not. I'm not a fan of 4DX screenings, but they definitely are a thing. Fair play, Andre, fair play. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, and then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. But not this week! it's episode 100 can you adam and eve it i want to thank everyone who has supported this podcast so far and well done for making it to 100 i mean that's a lot in it sort of i mean depends on this where you put putting the sort of span of time in the grand scheme of things no but you know in a way anyway here's the deal i have loved doing this podcast but the problem with it is once a guest comes on and i kill them They can't come back, what with time and physics and whatnot and the movement forward of momentum of the planet, I suppose, which is a major flaw. I've had so many guests on here that I have loved so much. And then it ends and I think, oh, what a waste that I killed them. We had so much more to talk about. They had so much more to give. So I spent the last month cramming magic and shamanism and spirituality. And I have learned how to bring people back from the dead. No biggie. So now I'll be throwing in an occasional treat amongst the regular episodes with favourite guests coming back with 15 new questions. And why James Acaster? Come on, mate. James was episode one, and now he's episode 100. And as in all good storytelling, the best films all end at the beginning. They go full circle, so I wanted to be poetic and bring James back to complete the first 100. It's poetic. I hope you enjoy it. Get over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you'll get the entire episode uncut as a video and there's also 25 minutes extra stuff, three new questions including James's choice for best soundtrack to a film. And if you know James, he does bang on about music a lot, so that one's a biggie. He also has a cracking secret and you'll love it, so check it out at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. Massive shout out to Buddy Peace who has stuck with me for 100 episodes. What a guy. I feel sorry for him. I hope he's all right. No one asks. He's fine. He'll keep doing this. He'll never leave me. Anyway, so that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 100 of Films To Be Buried With. The Resurrection! Hello and welcome to Films To Be Buried With. The Resurrection It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by a comedian, an actor, a writer, a music scholar, a music talker about her, a podcaster, a podcaster, and one of the most successful podcasters I know, and also a very nice boy. Please welcome to the show, the brilliant Mr. James Acaster.
1: Yes! He's back! Man, I, I never thought actor would be so high up on my resume. I know, it's a very, uh, it's a quality not enough
0: people talk about in you.
1: Yep, yeah, my, my cameo in the sitcom, Josh. <laughs>
0: and your cameo in the sitcom pilot, uh, We The Jury. Sure. In which you
1: played passerby One. Yeah, in which I just think, yeah, I had one, th- well, two words, I think, or three words. And and I wrote that, so I really should have given myself more. I can't complain. You really need to back yourself more. You were like, I could could probably do
0: three words. Yeah. Which I was right. I did it. (laughs) You did. You nailed those three. Yeah. James Custer. Now, here's the thing that people may or may not know. Mm -hmm. Of course they know. You, very kindly, did the first ever episode of Films to be Buried With. An honour. Which is why, today, we have become full circle like in The Lion King, and today is the 100th episode of Films to be Buried With, and you are back. What do you think about that?
1: (laughs) Well, first of all, congratulations on 100 episodes, Brett. Thanks very much, thanks. I'm very, very proud of you. When we sat down to do that first ever episode, I Mm. thought, I'll give this about five. Yep, me too. There's no way this is going to continue on.
0: This hasn't got any legs.
1: I watched it go from strength to strength, Mm. and I thought, ugh. I really wish I'd done it once he'd really found the format and found his stride in this, because I can't believe I had to be the guinea pig on this one. And now this is the dream, yeah. is that I'm back again. I get to talk more about films with Brett Goldstein. It's it's a privilege and an honour. I can't believe I'm this lucky.
0: But what a guinea pig. In a way, it was like Orson um, awesome Welles making Citizen Kane first. You know, it's very difficult for him to top that <laughs> that first episode. Yeah. feels to be very good. <laughs>
1: Exactly. It's exactly like that. I thought when I left your house that day, I thought we've got a new Awesome Wells in our house.
0: Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, since, since, since that day in the kitchen, you started your own podcast with, um, I think he's been on the show before. His name's Ed Gamble. Um, yes. And you started a show called Off Menu, which I believe is the most successful podcast of all time. True or false?
1: Yes, that is true. It is yeah. more successful than any podcast has ever been, and any radio show, any film, any TV. Serious question. I love the podcast. It's really great.
0: Thank you. Did you expect
1: it to be as successful as it is? No, nothing I've ever done. I've expected anyone else to like. I am always <laughs> extremely <laughs> delighted and surprised when it, when yeah. they do like it. Um, I, I knew that I wanted you know that po- uh, with the podcast. I thought yeah. we would do ten episodes have a jolly old time doing 10 and then maybe one day do another 10 if we can be bothered but it was just something that i wanted to do with ed because that's how we talk to each other Mm. i thought i like having that chat with ed about our favorite foods let's just do a few episodes of the podcast and just see if people like it but they probably won't Mm. and really i'll tell you this the secret really is the great benito uh, who produces the podcast and all the hard work he puts in to making sure people knew it was there. Because if it was up to me and Ed, right. if it was down to us to just do all the admin side of it, I mean, it'd be in a cassette tape in a charity shop. <laughs> Isn't it funny, though, of all the
0: things you do that you work so hard on and you you put all your heart and soul into, the things that really take off are never the thing you thought. I have that with tweets. My most successful tweets are the one I'm... That's not very... That's nothing, that tweet. Oh, yeah. My best
1: tweets no one watches. No one likes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, I mean, I'm not on Twitter anymore, but when I was, sometimes I'd write a tweet, and when I pressed send, I felt like I was launching a rocket into space. (laughs) I was like, here we go. This is it. And then, like, the likes trickle in gradually and then dry up pretty fast. And then you do another tweet that's just like... Kit Kat Chunkies got smaller and it goes absolutely berserk. <laughs> when Richard Elsman did the World Cup of Chocolate, it was all just dairy milk stuff and twirls and whispers at the end and it's all the bland stuff and that's what most people like. So the people pleasers are the ones that don't rock the boat all the time and the things that maybe you're the most passionate about that are really weird and personal. It's personal for a reason, but then that's not true. Because the greatest things in the world, art-wise, are the ones that are really personal but resonate with everybody. Ah, who knows? Brett.
0: So then, yeah, because that doesn't make sense because then you would be saying that Off Menu was the Dairy Milk of podcasts and I don't think it is. I think it's... I wouldn't listen to it. <laughs> I was thinking it's the perfect combination of stuff. Very funny genie character that, uh, that you've got. There's a bit of sci-fi... You know, you've got Ed Gamble who's very funny. You've got some mm-hmm. fantasy elements. But ultimately, I guess you're talking about food. And most people, and I don't include myself in this, like food. Yes. And it's sort of something everyone, everyone, even if they don't like it, they eat it. So I guess it was that or breathing. Like if you did like favourite breaths or whatever. Like.
1: Yeah, or shitting. If someone did best best shits they've ever had podcast, it would probably be better than we think.
0: That would probably be massively popular. And also... What is good about a shitting podcast, everyone's got a, like, greatest shit and, like, most embarrassing shit, and... Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do we need to copyright this now, before this goes out?
1: We should probably do it, yeah, we should copyright it ASAP. The Poopcast.
0: Poopcast. Poopcast is a genuinely good idea.
1: That's probably... I bet someone's already got a podcast called Poopcast. Someone's doing Poopcast. Someone's doing it.
0: The, The shit you did that you wish you could forget, the shit you yeah. did that changed your perspective on something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Every now and again in your life, I don't know, but mm. uh, I say your life, but every now and again in my life, I do one, and as soon as it hits my nostrils, I realise that's the worst one so far. Right. When that that's happens, that's the worst one think I've, think I've done so far. In do you life. think you're ill? No, you I, don't, I, don't, I just go, oh, okay, that's yeah, that's the that's the new worst one I've done. How often do you have that thought? A year. Once a, once a year. Once a year. Okay. Once a year, you do when that goes, okay, getting older. You know. <laughs> the getting older poo. Yeah. Yeah. It just reminds you, you you're rotting, you, you, your body's decaying, mm-hmm. and so, so are your intestines, and now they can smell like this.
0: That's the getting older poo. Yep. Because you always hear old people talking about getting out of bed for a wee, right? I get out of bed mm. for a wee all the time. But then I drink a shit yeah. ton of water.
1: mm Yeah, does not surprise me. So I don't know
0: if that's me getting old or I'm drinking too much water.
1: Yeah, so originally I was surprised that you get out of bed to go for a wee a lot. So I was like, Mm. that doesn't sound like Brett. But when you said you drink loads of water, I was like, that's very, very on brand that you would drink loads of water all the time. And you probably, I imagine, I don't know this for a fact, have Mm. bought um, a receptacle specifically for water that helps you keep track of how much water you're drinking each day. I would imagine you're one of those people.
0: Listen, I'm very lucky that I've got a roof over my head, right? But I do really resent getting out of bed to go for a wee because it does sort of fuck up your night because then you can't go back to sleep and stuff. And I don't Mm -hmm. know... I really want to invent a thing that I can just pop my knob in that goes all the way down the stairs to the bathroom Mm. hygienically and doesn't leave a mess or a smell. And I could just wee in bed without it being like unpleasant for people who are also in my bed. Yeah, I mean... If anyone's listening...
1: We'd, we'd all like for that just not to be something that we have to factor into our lives you know like mm. if if Poon and Ween didn't exist ah, and and thing. we didn't have we didn't have to do them and like somehow that part of our lives got taken care of for us and there wasn't like our body didn't emit a gas or anything it just just mm. wasn't a thing and someone went imagine if you had to do this every day you'd go i i, I wouldn't be able to do it if you lived in a world where it didn't exist and someone said, imagine if it did exist, you'd go, that would be horrible.
0: Yeah. Do you know what I sometimes think is like one of the great works of art? I think it was a tango advert, but there's an advert mm. where a man and a woman are on a date and he walks into the door and it's gone well. And he's just about to sort of lean in for a kiss and he does a tiny burp, like a little bit of wind comes out. Yes. And he ruins yes. the date. And I've always thought like that's such a great observation of human a life, because you see in films, I think about this a lot when people like have surprise sex in film, and I don't mean assault, I mean like people who like each other where yes. they like suddenly grab each other and they have sex, but I always think like you don't know if that person's just had a big meal or they yeah. might be literally they were just about to do a burp to themselves and you grab them and you kick, like there's so many things that can get in the way of that lovely sexy romantic surprise sex like she's yeah. just about to t- <laughs> let one go. And yeah. thinking she was on her own. You know what I mean? Like...
1: Yeah, those, those things aren't, they, they never feel realistic. I don't really know many people who have ha- experienced that kind of stuff in real life, and it's gone fine. The old surprise sex. The yeah. old consensual surprise sex. Yes,
0: the old CSS. <laughs> uh, James A. you have been resurrected, you Ooh. have been brought back to life. You get a second chance. But tell us, (laughs) what point in your life would you like to return to?
1: And would you change anything? Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't know that was an option. This is great. Uh, Mm. I would like to... Oh, that's very... This is tricky. What Mm. point in my life would I like to return to? I think I would like to return to... Episode one of Feels Be Yeah, yeah. Just before I did stand up. <laughs>
0: really? So that was
1: twenty two about to turn 23
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I'd like to have all the knowledge I've got now. Yep. And I would absolutely change everything. What would you change? You change your stand up or you wouldn't do stand up? What would I you I wouldn't change? do stand up. But not because but but hold on. Don't misunderstand me. Not because I wish I'd never done it, but because I don't understand when people go on about, if I had my life again, I wouldn't do anything different. What? Yeah, you've already done it. Boring.
0: Yes, really like, good
1: point. Like, do something else. Of course, do something else. Also, I hate it when, when people say it about, like, so, like, ah, oh, everything that happened in my life, it was worth it because I eventually met whoever it was, like their partner. Mm. And they're like, it all brought me to, to this person and so, if I had to live my life again, I'd do it. No, if, you, if you're going to live your life again, just go straight to their house and go, "You're all right," I, I, and then and just and don't do all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to make all the mistakes again. Have a much nicer time. Mm-hmm. And just meet the love of your life and have that nice life together. That'd be the first thing I'd do. So you'd you'd not do
0: stand up and not do stand up, which I get because you've already done it. You've done it very well. You've got you've you've, yeah. uh, you've sort of proved your point, I suppose. yeah. So what yeah. would you do with your twenties then?
1: First of all, mm-hmm. I'd go to Salford, knock on my current girlfriend's house. I say current because I'm saying, like, not my girlfriend's house back then in, in, when I was 22. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend now. I'd go to her house, knock on her door and go, hello, we haven't met yet. But I think we're really going to get on. And I would start going out with her then. Okay. Uh, just a couple
0: of notes, if I may. I, I love all this. I don't know if it's going to work out exactly like that. I think this is what makes it, you know, I think she's going to be terrified. I don't think that you're immediately going to... I think it's going to take a bit more than... Firstly, I don't know if she's even going to answer the door. And then when she does, there's a stranger there who says, we're meant to be together, we're going to have a lovely time.
1: Listen to me, I'm from the future.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it might take a lot longer to get with her. You love me. Yeah.
1: I'm trying to save us time. Get in the van. You do not want to wait around another 12 years. Believe you me.
0: Yeah. You're going to have a lot of sex with a lot of dickheads before you get to me. <laughs> Trust me.
1: I should ask you about that, actually. I don't know if that line's true or not, Brett. I'll go and ask you after the podcast. Did you have a lot of sex with a lot of dickheads? Brett says you did. Yeah. Did you have a lot of surprise consensual sex with people when you were just about to pass wind? <laughs> did you have CSS? With a lot of DHs, <laughs> but yeah, I would. I, I okay, would just so you've gone to a different. house.
0: You're convinced her mm-hmm. that you're not mad. Yes, right. And
1: then yeah. uh, I would do. I'd just live a different life. Um, I wouldn't take advantage of you know knowing stuff that happens and and placing right. bets and stuff okay. like that. But I would probably. I might even like you know. I stopped doing music and I started doing stand up. I might even carry on doing music because at the time I thought, "Oh, I should," you know. I, I, I don't want to form another band. I don't have the energy to get a lot, bunch of a whole bunch more people together. But mm-hmm. looking looking back now, I'm like, Joe, you know what? All I needed to do was buy a bunch of instruments. I could have taught myself how to play other things and recorded, made albums at home."
0: What? Been a one man band like Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins?
1: More like Mike Skinner. Okay, that's who I would be. I loved Mike Skinner. Yeah, I, I just copy Mike Skinner.
0: I also love Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins, not slagging him. Yeah.
1: Me. To be honest, I think there's a, a quite a lot of room for a crossover between the two of them.
0: Oh, that's a collab I'd want to see.
1: Skin Skin Van Skype.
0: You'd be the start as a drummer and then you'd teach yourself the rest?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'd be called, uh, yeah, Skin Van Skype. And I would do all my all my songs about my skin living in a van, and how I like to Skype people.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: And I know this is quite a stock answer for what would you do if you lived your life again, but uh, that's what I'd do.
0: How are you making your living before Skin Van Skype takes off? Because, you know, mm. from stand up you know, these things take, let's say it yeah. takes six years, seven Good years point. before you're earning any from band camp.
1: Something that I nearly did, when mm. I moved to London to do stand-up, I nearly got a job in, and, and I, I, I didn't do this because I turned it down, and then because someone said to me, That is insane, don't do that. But mm. I nearly got a job at one of those um, bagel places in London Bridge Station, and I was right. going to work there, and I would have to have got up at three in the morning and uh, travelled from North London to London Bridge, and I often feel like it was a really big turning point in my life that I decided not to do that because at the time I was just going to do whatever it took to achieve my dreams and someone pointed out to me that's too far that's going to make you miserable and, it, and actually it's unnecessary you can get another job where you don't have to wake up that early and I thought okay so I don't have to just like <laughs> make my life really difficult at the time however I do sometimes wonder what that would have been like to wake up at three in the morning, make bagels and sell bagels all day. So maybe just to satisfy my curiosity of what that path in my life would have been because I remember that being a very distinct a very definite decision not to work in the bagel place in the train station. Yeah. I think I maybe I just do do that anyway, just to see what it would have been like, just out of curiosity.
0: So you I think that's wise. Because you might find out that you fucking love making bagels. And that is yeah. that your true true calling.
1: Yeah, maybe it was something that I would have enjoyed and actually had quite a lot of flair for. I could have Mm. become a really famous bagel maker Mm. and then I could have had a podcast about who are your favourite comedians.
0: (laughs) Can I ask you a serious question? Because I think about stuff like this, right? You did... did, Now that you've given up comedy and you've come back to life and you don't do stand-up anymore, Mm. you, um, you know... Certainly considered, uh, not my words, uh, but like one of the greatest comedians of uh, of our generation. Again, not my words, but, you know, you read these like things. Mine. And, uh, mine <laughs> uh, and obviously, you're tremendous and you've worked incredibly hard. Here's my question. When you achieved, which I think is pretty much, it's a pretty big sort of pinnacle of four Netflix specials dropping in one day as a as a package, kind of... Your entire stand-up work in a franchise in a in a Marvel universe, right? Drops on Netflix. When that has when you've done that, do you feel satisfied? Like, ah, oh, I've sort of done that. I've achieved that. Or does it, is it just a relentless wheel? That's like, okay, now what? Now what? Now what? Stand-up? Now what? Or do you sort of did that feel like a an, a full stop to something for you?
1: Absolutely, felt like a full stop. It was great, and I was oh, very great. and the big relief was that it felt like that as well. Because yeah, I, I good. thought while I was getting them ready and touring them and filming them, this is going fi- to. You know I really feel like this is a nice full stop and end of a chapter, and that if I never do stand up again and I, I, for some reason, lose my entire career after this, I'll be proud of what I achieved. However, a part of my brain was like, it won't feel like that though. You always mm. hope it will feel like that, and it never does. So it's not going to feel like that. And when they went out, I was like, oh, that's fine. I feel good. And I feel like that's it. When I then did another show afterwards, yeah, you know, it was a bit stressful because I was a bit like, and it was a bit stressful because of the full stop. Because I was like, mm. "Why are you still <laughs> reading the book? Well, you, you're reading the dust jacket now. Like <laughs> I mean, you've done in it. Index. Yeah, you, you've you've finished it, and now you're trying mm. to continue telling the story. I felt like a guy. Who read a whole book out loud to someone? Got to the end and just carried on, just making it up afterwards. And they're gone. We know there's no more pages left. Why are you making stuff up? This isn't as good as the book you just read me. Stop reading. Let's go. Let's do something else. <laughs> so, like that. That was a bit. That yeah. was a bit weird. Did you feel? Did it?
0: Did the next one feel more pressured because of how successful and complete and good the other one was, or is that a separate issue?
1: I didn't feel there was more pressure really because I. Uh, obviously I'd experienced all the people who didn't like those Netflix specials as well. So yeah. like, I wasn't feeling like everyone was there going, Oh, how's he going to follow that up? I thought some people were going, oh, mate, you are shit. And one day maybe you'll be good, but that was a pile of absolute garbage. So like, uh, you know, I wasn't there going, yeah. how am I going to follow up that steaming turd that that guy hates? <laughs> so like to, to, to me, I was like, well, I really liked that thing. Mm. And now, i um, it's actually exciting to try and do something different and something right. that wasn't that wasn't that and that wasn't um you know, in those Netflix specials I was pretending that I was an undercover carpet, juror, uh witness protection, and it was nice to like my next show was all just true stories and uh, mm. a bit more open and that was that was fun just to go I think, you know, the reason why when you look back at any stand-ups career, and you look back at when we were on the open mic circuit, as a stand-up, you go, how the hell did I survive that period of my life when I was mm-hmm. on the open mic circuit? It was brutal. The gigs were awful. The rooms mm-hmm. were awful. The audiences were awful. I was awful. How did I get through that? And actually, you got through it because you were trying to do something new, and that was engaging your brain, and it was really exciting to see yourself visibly like improving, and that was actually quite addictive and fun, Mm -hmm. And because that's what got you hooked the first time, as long as your next project is doing that, then you're okay. The time when it gets hard is when you've learnt this new show. You actually know when it works, when it doesn't. You're pretty proud of it. You're like, no, no, this this is a good show now. And then you're still going to have gigs where it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But your brain isn't engaging with this is new and exciting because it's not anymore. And so you're just like... What is the fucking point of coming all the way here and performing to you people and you're just looking at me like I'm an idiot? I just want to go home now. I've got better things to do than stand here and repeat myself in front of a bunch of people who don't even fucking like it. My name was on the ticket. If you don't like my sort of humour, what are you doing here? So, like, that's, that's when it yeah. gets bad. So when, it, when it's new, I've got no problem with it. Really exciting. If it fails, what an exciting failure. Mm. When it's not new anymore... And it's something that I'm like, in my, the worst thing I can ever do is think to myself, this is good. So as soon as I think this is good, I expect it to get a good reaction. And then I always get disappointed. Hmm. And that's when you turn nasty. It's when I turn nasty. I've seen it. And I go home and I go, oh man, come on. You come did, on they, man. they didn't deserve that, man. Come on. You shouldn't have said that to those people. <laughs> oh man. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Also, the last gig makes all the ones in between it worth it because my last tour that I did was the longest I'd ever done and there was a lot of those gigs where sometimes my fault, sometimes the audience's fault, sometimes the circumstances were very difficult and I really didn't enjoy them. But because I did so many of the gigs, I was able to get the show exactly within an inch of its life how I wanted it. Mm. And so when I did film it, same with the Netflix ones, when I did film it, I was like, oh, good, I'm glad I did all those gigs while I went home and I was really upset and doubting my path in life and thinking I'd done the wrong thing and made so many bad decisions and why am I doing this and something's wrong with me? you know. I'm making bagels at three in the morning like I was meant to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like God intended. Yep, why am I not doing that? But then, yeah, we, 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 once you do it at the end, you go, like, okay, cool. So do you not feel now, now we're in lockdown especially,
0: do you miss the performance part of it at all do you
1: miss doing gigs at night it is the part of my life that i miss the least i am noticing a significant improvement in my mental health in uh just how i am in general through not doing gigs i'm happier i feel calmer my head's clearer i can like navigate the day a lot better i like myself a lot more jesus christ that they just it is it's. It's almost been... like
0: stand up was bad for you.
1: Yep, absolutely, uh, <laughs> absolutely was bad for me. Um, I won't say it wasn't worth it. I'm proud of what I achieved because that you know at the end of the day, all I wanted to achieve was shows that I myself would want to watch, mm-hmm. and I can say that for my shows, So that's all I wanted to do, and I'm proud of that. But now I'm like, I had a nightmare the other day that I had a gig, and it was like it was in Edinburgh, in the Pleasance Courtyard, in the cabaret bar. Mm. And I was waiting, for some reason, out in the courtyard to go on. Normally you go on stage in that venue uh, from a dressing room. But I was, for some reason, in the main courtyard and I could hear the compere, who for some reason was Tim Key, h- horrendous booking for an MC, mm. but uh, was, uh, was was uh, was introducing me on in the main room. Uh, fantastic comedian, by the way. Blinding comic, but you wouldn't want him mm. introducing you on stage. Mm. Or, he's, he's not he's, a he's, host. He's not, get, he's not getting Wimbley. them warmed up. He introduced me on. I walked into the room and the audience was a small audience, but they were all university students who were very posh. And I I went on and about a third of them got up and went for a cigarette break as I was talking. The rest of them started just heckling me. And then I immediately went into like you privileged bunch of posh little wankers and then i immediately felt bad that i'd gone to that and immediately started calling them poshos but i don't know anything about them and making assumptions about them based on that then i woke up i was like oh that is everything like it's like my brain had gone I know you haven't gigged in ages, you're probably starting to think in your head that gigging's not that bad. I just want to remind you how you feel on stage a lot of the time, is that you feel that the audience don't care about what you've got to say, mm-hmm. you're staring down the barrel of one hour, two hours in front of them, and then you say something to them and you lash out, and you say something that you regret that is completely unfair, and then you go home and go, oh man, that gig went from just being a really bad day at the office to a really Personal, like, like it got personal and really bad. And now those people aren't like he's a shit comic. They're like he's a shit human being. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep, really glad I'm not doing that anymore. And that isn't going on in my head all the time. Where does the rage go? <laughs> or does it not happen when you're not doing gigs? I've had no rage. I've had mm-hmm. none of that. And I don't have it. I, I rarely have that kind of stuff off stage. You know, mm-hmm. like in general, I mean, you know, I, I've obviously got angry in my life and stuff like that, but I feel like it's always pretty justified and it's not, I don't, I don't go away from it going, that might have been all in my head, actually. Whereas with stand-up, I'm like, come on, mate, just why? why did you do that? Like, I mean, I, I, and I know why. I'm not going to give myself a really hard time for it. I, I, often I'm, yes. I'm too tired. I shouldn't be on stage because I've been gigging every night relentlessly for months and months. I should be having a bit of time off, but I don't give myself enough time off. And then you go on stage and they're not really the kind of audience who like your comedy and they're not paying attention to you. Someone's heckling. I've had people heckle really offensive stuff, not about me. I've uh, have, had have people you know, heckle offensive stuff about me. But, like, I've had people, you know, shout stuff that is bigoted and stuff that upsets Mm. me you know so yeah i've had genuine bad people shout out at my gigs but then it's it's always up to you as the comic to try and you know turn that gig into something that you can stand by afterwards when you come off stage and go okay no well done you didn't let that get to you well done mate uh, (laughs) sometimes i've had those victories i really have and i've walked off stage i've been like good well done that person was being an asshole anymore yep yeah, well, I've cured them. not everyone in the room realised there was a racist there. That's that. That's the best I can hope for. Is there was a racist in the room, and I made sure that not everyone <laughs> knew that that was the case. I didn't let it ruin everyone's night. But yeah, sometimes, sometimes that does not that does not pan out. Well, I'm happy for you. I think this is. I think this pandemic's
0: really working out. I'm the healthiest I've ever been. So you've come back to life. You now work in a bagel shop in London Bridge at three in the morning. Yeah, and uh, everyone here on back on earth want to know uh some more stuff about your life
1: in films if you wouldn't mind well this humble bagel maker can't believe his luck that he's been invited people people want to hear what he has to say also yeah just to clarify am i still getting buried with this or you're gonna kill me again no well listen i'm not spoiling it but
0: you've been brought back to life. i would say try to savor it
1: because Mm.
0: you might you know who knows what i'll decide sure I want you to
1: feel safe, but ultimately
0: you're not safe. But isn't that true of all life?
1: Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's where I want to be, right in the pocket. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So,
0: first question from the living is: yes. uh, What's the last film you saw, James
1: Acaster? Now, from the Bagel Shop. What's the Bagel Shop called that you work in? I can't remember what it was called. It was one of those ones that it's like, it's like in in London Bridge. It's like it's a chain across London. No, isn't it? Bagel Factory. Bagel yes, Factory. it was Bagel Factory. Okay. Yes. So, James a- Acaster from The Bagel Factory, thank you for joining us. What was the last film you saw? You sent me these questions in advance. I think this one... Yeah. You should have not told me you were going to ask me it. Because you uh, sent me these questions like a week ago. Yeah. So, I was like, okay, I've got control over that one. But I didn't want it to be a film <laughs> that I already know I like, and I'll just mm-hmm. stick it on the night before, because that's cheating.
0: Yeah.
1: So... What we've been doing every night anyway is watching mm-hmm. something that we haven't seen before. Or that at least you, one of us hasn't seen before. You and, and your girlfriend
0: and, that you kidnapped uh, t- 20, when you were 22 from her house. Yeah, okay.
1: yeah. Me, uh, so within the last week, mm-hmm. it's been quite tricky. Because watching a new film every night, and then sometimes you watch a really good one. Mm. And you're like, maybe I just don't watch anything else until Brett's podcast. So like, about five days ago, I watched Blind Spotting. Oh, that's why you you
0: said, can we do it tomorrow? I remember. Yep.
1: (laughs) Have you seen Blind Spotting? Very good. But that's not the last film you saw. It's not. But I I loved it so much. Yeah, but it's not the last film you saw. Okay. But the last film I saw, I did also love. So I saw it yesterday. I hadn't seen it before. I saw Blue Ruin. Oh, that's a great film. Because that was was the thing as well. I (laughs) I thought I would like it. So I thought, watch that. You will probably like it, and you can talk about a film that you like. Because I I don't want to talk about a film I didn't like. I don't want to trash a film. No. Hour hour and a half as well. Mm. I'm really, really into hour and a half films at the minute. Mm. Me too. I really, really love it when I see it's an hour and a half. And I didn't know anything about it, really. I knew it was a revenge film. Yeah. And that was all I knew. And uh, I always had seen the poster, which was a, a drawing of the main character. And I always thought it was Paul McCartney with his big beard. And it's like, I always thought it was a... So I always think it, it was like a Paul McCartney film. It does look like it. I love films that have a simple story told cleanly, but with a little bit of a... Just a little bit of a twist in the storytelling, a little bit of a different way of telling it. Like this isn't giving anything away, but like a lot of revenge films build up for ages and end with the revenge. And then that's it. And they've got their revenge and you get to go, nice one. And this was like pretty early on, they've got their revenge and now here's all the reper- here's all the things that would happen to you as a result of that. You wouldn't just walk away yeah. and carry on with your life. I I, I like it when, when you do just feel like a film is following the logic of well, this mm-hmm. is what would happen. We're not gonna try and write, you know, a story that is um, you know, we've got to keep the main character safe, we've got to make sure they win, we've got to make sure everything that there's these twists and turns. They just go, here's a straightforward. Now they've done that, what would happen next? Okay, well, that's happened. So now what's yeah. going to happen to him? And just carry on doing it until... And it's a real, like, a real... I think, like,
0: one of the sort of principles of it must have been, like, if it were me, if it were you, what, what would what would happen? If it was someone who is not a violent person, yes. who is trying to commit a violent act, yes. like, who doesn't really know how to handle weapons or do any of that stuff like it's the, yeah. it's set in that world
1: yeah i liked that how normally yeah. you get you know, when someone's out for revenge kill bill or something like that yeah you know they enter a room and they know what to do and they set up a bunch of traps and they and they, they, they get themselves yeah. the best vantage point they can and they're watching for the baddie this one is like in the house and he's like i'll put a jar of coins against the door and uh, if they come in i'll hear the coins i guess and uh, you're like that's kind of good but yeah. also they're going to come in and go who the fuck's in the house immediately (laughs) so like all stuff like that you're like oh this is yeah like like you say it is a normal person who is so overcome with this desire for justice Mm. and revenge that they're doing it anyway and they don't really care about their own safety but really cares about the safety of his sister and her kids and stuff like that so and and without words in the first like half hour you care about the guy you know he's he's homeless his life is pretty bad he, he ate out of a bin within the first five minutes and mm. i said i said to my girlfriend that is there's just something about every time every time that's in films or anything i just feel so indescribably sad like it, it, it makes because you t- really like food that's why that hits you so hard because you're a yeah. foodie yeah that is and
0: eating idea. out of a bin for me i go well it's, it's just food in it but you're like, ah, oh, not eating out of a bitch.
1: yeah. Oh, I bet that stuff doesn't even go together. Yeah, yes. it's really tough. <laughs> yeah. Also, here's yeah. here's a here's a thing about that film. Mm-hmm. So there's a point early on where he's essentially he's expecting the baddies to come to his sister's house. Yeah. Spoiler alert for someone who hasn't seen it, but also it won't spoil it. Like this, you can't really spoil this film. You gotta you gotta watch it to really experience it. But he's in the house. And he knows the baddies are going to come. And he kind of sets the house up so that it looks like someone's home in order to lure them in because they, they want to kill him. And he puts on a tap and he turns the light on. And he gets and then he hides and, he's, and like, they're breaking in and he's getting ready to get them. And it really felt like home alone. Then later on there was a scene and, he, and he's got someone in the trunk of his car and they've gone quiet and he's not sure if they're in there or not. And then he very slowly and almost comically puts his ear to the boot. And that reminded me of Home Alone when they do that to the door. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this film's really reminded me of Home Alone in parts. That's weird, isn't it? <laughs> and then the guy who plays Buzz in Home Alone turns up. Hmm. And I was like, that's got to be a deliberate nod. That feels like they've gone, I know bits of this are a bit Home Alone-y. I think it's set in the Home Alone universe. <laughs> I think it's set in the Home in the Alone McAllister universe. the universe. Yeah, I think so. I love that kind of stuff.
0: Um you just said, you know, when when you see someone eating out of a bin in a film, you said, I turned to my girlfriend and I said, do you mean you turned to your girlfriend and you talked five minutes into this film? Yes. Okay.
1: Moving on. Who... But, listen. Yeah, yeah. Not in a way, we, we are very good at not talking through the film.
0: Doesn't sound like it. We're one question in and you're chatting five minutes into a really good film. Yeah.
1: Well, say stuff. But not we know how to time it so it doesn't ruin it. We're very good. <laughs> you've got to hit the sweet spot. Watching a film, you've got to hit the sweet spot mm. where you're not disrespecting it and fucking around, but you're also not suddenly in school. And there's a teacher in there. No, it's very much that way with me.
0: Yes, the, oh, I'm the getting the vibe. The I want someone to watch a film with me is as if they're not there. Yeah. That's the vibe I'm trying to create. Sure, yeah. <laughs> is that we're watching this together but neither of us are here.
1: Mm. Well, Brett, listen, I've watched films with you, but I've also done a great deal of other things with you. We've eaten together, had a stroll, we just hung out in general, and all the time I'd say that is your general vibe, is wishing the person wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He he is waiting for me to leave. (laughs) It's
0: a very sweet vibe. Yes. That is a good last film you saw. Next question. New questions. Who do you think, James Acaster from The Bagel Factory, should play Mm. you in the film of your life?
1: Thought about this long and hard. Mm -hmm. This is a serious answer. I'm not messing around.
0: Good, I really appreciate that. That's good.
1: Natasha Lyonne. That is a fucking great answer. Thank you very much.
0: Hey, I'm Natasha (laughs) Lyonne. I'm
1: fucking dead again. Yeah. For one, I'm a fan anyway. I, I love her. I think she's brilliant. She's great. So I remember seeing an interview with Danny McBride mm-hmm. where he said that Kanye West had, that Kanye, <laughs> had um, contacted him yeah. and asked him if he would play him in a film. So if Danny McBride would play Kanye West in the film and thinking that would be genius. Yeah. That would be so great. great. Yeah. And obviously everyone liked it when Kate Blanchett played Bob mm-hmm. Dylan. And I just think that that sort of casting, when you're getting someone to play you in a film, it should it should be about the general vibe you want to go for rather than if they look like you or blah, blah, blah. And I'm probably nothing like her, sure. And I can't think of many of her characters that sometimes are mannerisms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's a bit, we're both a bit Mm catty in how we move and look around and stuff like that. Uh, I like like how, um, yeah, how mannered everything that she says is. And I think I'm a bit like that as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that she's a very empathetic actor, and if you want someone to play you, I think she would take the time to tap into that and find out what, what makes you tick. But just the energy that mm-hmm. she has as a performer is probably those are the elements of my personality I would want to be emphasised and exaggerated would be the things that she brings to to anything that she's in. She's more chaotic than most people in the scene. She's got this like, even when she's being calm, mm-hmm. you can tell like she's this... Hive of energy, and I like that about her. That you always can tell what's going on under the, under the surface there with her, and that, that she's not completely comfortable in this situation. the situation. A character's not completely chill about everything, and I would I would want that if someone was playing me in a in a film.
0: James Agaster, I really really appreciate that answer. Thank you for taking that seriously. That's a lovely <laughs> choice.
1: No problem. You are a Russian doll. I appreciate you. I'd love to be a Russian doll. Um. One day I'll watch it again when I'm ready to not have that song in my head for a while. Mm. That was the only drawback of watching Russian Doll, was that... Well, I I found
0: that song uh, amazing that it didn't annoy me until a year later. I've made it all the way through the series right. and still was pleased by that song,
1: which is rare. Yeah. But you had had enough. I still think it's a, go- I think it's a good song, mm. and I think it was the right song to choose is great, but it just got to the point where... A few nights in a row, that was what was looping in yeah. my head when I went to sleep. And I was like, I, I need this to stop being in my head now. Oh no, it's already back in my head now. We've even yeah. talked about it, you've just incepted me. Yeah, and I watched it all in like two days, so I don't know why it was like still a week afterwards. Was it? But, <laughs> because
0: like... you, you're you Anastasia Leone, who really spoke to you.
1: Yep, that's, that's exactly it.
0: James a Castle from The Bagel Factory, what is the most romantic film you've ever seen? You're a romantic, aren't you? Aren't you?
1: Sure, yeah 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 um there's there's been a bunch of different answers for this over the Mm -hmm. years can i can i do some honorable mentions yes of course so at one point and and i and i believe this is the wrong answer but at one point i thought eternal sunshine was the most romantic film i've ever seen yeah and it is absolutely not eternal sunshine is beautiful and one of my favorite films but in the fact that it what's nice about it romantically is that it's an ode to failed relationships it's like this is what's lovely about relationships that don't work and that even when they don't work, they're still worth doing and worth pursuing and all this stuff. But it's not romantic. They're not right for each other and it's 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 not right. For a while, it was, I almost said to this question, I almost said The Puffy Chair, hmm. which is another favourite film of mine. It's The Duplass Brothers. Mm-hmm. But I think I was trying to be too smart ass because that film yeah. is essentially a, a rom-com but they flip it and instead of making you want the characters to get together all the way through they're making you want the two main characters to split up and that's what you really want and you want it as much as you want to you know the characters in the notebook to get together you're like oh it would make me so happy if these two split up this is a bad relationship and so i thought for a while that maybe that's the most romantic film i've ever seen because it's actually kind of going it's highlighting everything that is good about relationships by highlighting everything that's bad and i often feel that romantic films are quite dishonest and give us a a unrealistic and um pretty shallow version of romance and what love is mm. and actually the puffy chair is going no no love is actually this and here's an example of the opposite of that and we're actually emphasizing what love should be by showing you what it is isn't. Yeah. so for a while that was like almost my that would have been my answer but actually if i'm thinking about just a film that made me feel actual like as close to love as i've ever felt like through the two main you know in a film. Yeah. From watching a film and the two main characters and their love story and actually making me feel yeah. would be uh, If Beale Street Could Talk. Oh, wonderful film. And that's, I mean, I think Barry Jenkins is a genius. Yeah. I'm really obsessed with mm-hmm. him. I i like that he takes his time over films, but I'd really love to have another one. Probably because he hasn't, he hasn't done loads. Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk are two of the best experiences I've had in the cinema and when I've, like, walked out feeling changed and feeling, like, mm. altered by them and new as well. And yeah. just, it, it makes you feel like you've been punched in the chest, but that also everything seems more beautiful than it was before somehow. You've been punched and in the chest it's amazing. with love, like a care bear stare. Yeah, and just, like, he manages to highlight everything that's magical and beautiful and precious about life, as well as everything that's ugly and unfair and just like, yeah, uh, a nightmare or just like the, 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 all the opposite mm. the opposite of that. And he makes you feel all of it. And because you feel all of it, the love, especially in Beale Street, that relationship all the way through of just pure love between those two people who clearly care about each other in a way that's um, not only do they, they put each other first, while also valuing themselves. Mm. And there's no... You know, unhealthy codependency there, or unrealistic how people fall in love. Like you, real, you feel even when they're disagreeing, you feel the love between yeah. them, and that is that you don't doubt for a second that they love each other. And also, how their love affects the people around them when they have the meal with their friend. Right, that's, that's uh, the best scenes ever. Such an incredible scene, mm. and the cameras going on the table, and they're all, and you. You almost taste the food because of how how much that that scene makes you feel it, and you feel the love. But the, that their friend not only like loves them as individuals, but loves them as a couple, and almost is feeding off of that love while he has the meal with them. It's it's properly it's a three dimensional, believable, real love all the way through that film. Great, oh. great answer. Film of the year last year. Bill Street could talk. Oh, easily. Didn't even get nominated for Best Picture. And I've ranted about this on other podcasts, but Green Book winning... Don't, Don't, honestly.
0: (laughs) Don't get me started. No, seriously. You say it. I'm not (laughs) saying it. You say
1: it. I know we shouldn't care about awards and stuff like that. Because I'm a little film fanboy and I've never been involved in the industry, it's the only awards that I pay attention to. Like, I think it's a bit of fun just watching... Awards, yeah. uh, watching the Oscars. But occasionally, it's only happened twice, I've been really invested in who wins oh. it. And one year, actually, I'll talk about later on, but because uh, <laughs> this is my answer to something else. But yeah, the year when Bill Street didn't even get nominated, and I was like, what the fuck are they doing? And then the fact that Green Book was the one that won, I was so, also, I'd gone to my friend's Oscar party, which is always brilliant, but I stayed up, you mm-hmm. know, you're staying up late to get to learn punched the in the book. in the nose and be, and be told, this is still the acceptable face of, like, this is yeah. isn't the films about race that we're awarding still. Uh, yeah, The the kind of, like, you got to meet us halfway. <laughs> that kind of, <laughs> it may as well have been that. <laughs> green Book, a.k.a. they've got to meet us halfway here. That is fucking funny.
0: I think uh, Moonlight, the last third yeah. of Moonlight, I think I'm sure I've talked about this before, but that is an incredibly romantic uh, section yes. because pretty much for 45 minutes, all the film is doing, and uh, not all the film is doing, but all it was doing for me was you as an audience are just going, kiss, 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 kiss
1: for sure. 45 minutes.
0: Just kiss,
1: please. That's you at any film you that watch. Is me. Any film nice you watch, film. that's what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's why I don't like to talk to other people because I don't want them to know what I'm thinking. <laughs> Yeah.
1: if you start talking to them you'll just start saying kiss kiss, over and over again Um, Um, I thought you were an intellectual
0: (laughs) uh, what is the best film you ever saw that you never want to see again first of all
1: great question thank you thank you everyone's got a film like Mm. this you could do a whole podcast on this question alone I think right? because there are these amazing films that you watch them and then you go no couldn't see them again and there's a few that I thought of and then I realised, cause I was talking to my girlfriend about it and I was like, so originally I went, I hope you weren't talking to her about it during a film. <laughs> yeah. I was shouting over it. I never want to watch this again. Um, no, no. So originally yeah. I said to her, Oh, I think it'd be Tyrannosaur.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then she went, I haven't seen that. And I went, let's watch it tomorrow. So then I realised that is that's clearly not You've that. watched Tyrannosaur twice. I have watched it twice. You are a weirdo. Uh, and I, and I, I would watch it a third time if someone hadn't seen it. And I'll tell you why. The performances in it are so mesmerising that I would enjoy showing someone those amazing performances. I think Peter Mullen and Olivia Colman in it and he's not in it enough, but Eddie Marsan are incredible in it. And just because there's a point in that film where Olivia Colman breaks down crying where it's the only time I've genuinely thought someone's not acting and I've I've forgotten I was watching a film. Yeah. Like I was completely like, Oh, she's just, gen- Oh no, no, you're watching that She's acting. It's not real. But like, I thought, no, she's just genuinely broken down and crying. Right. Like, so I think the performances are amazing. I think Peter Mullin, it's his career best performance. And, uh, I, I think he's staggering in it. So I would watch it again with people. And the same with films like American history X, like I've watched it once when I was a teenager I didn't think I've wanted to watch again. But again, if someone said to me, I've never seen that, I'd like to watch it. Do you want to watch it tonight? I would probably watch it with them. The film that I can never watch again, even if someone said they wanted to watch it, would be Elephant by Gus Van Sant. Right,
0: right. Okay. Good good answer.
1: And I did think it was incredible. Mm-hmm. I watched it. Yeah. I was probably in my early twenties. And my friend lent it to me. I didn't know I knew it was about a high school shooting, but I didn't know how it was filmed or the style of it. I knew Gus Van Sant from Goodwill Hunting, but I didn't know that he had been doing. He was doing these slow films, yeah. and they did like three of them in a row. Yeah, I love the slow film. So I'm sitting down to watch it, and um, because of the way, so if people don't know, the way that it's filmed is that it follows individual characters in this high school, the students, about their day, and it focuses on one student at a time, and sometimes goes back and forth, and it just shows the mundanity of their day at school. And the camera's like, sometimes the camera's literally behind them. It's behind and them, and they're most walking of the for like. For the film. Yeah.
0: Just watching them walk
1: and down it's corridors,
0: like, like in a computer game.
1: Are they like, 10 minute shots yeah. sometimes? And nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And they're just walking down and they say hello to a mate, and then they go to their locker, they get their stuff out their locker, and they walk for a bit longer. And then they stop at a fountain, have a drink, go, go to the lesson, sit down. Uh, and then it turns out, you know, I mean, because I, I only watched it once, I actually don't remember. I remember the sticks in my head the most is there's a character. She was um, really body conscious and she doesn't want to get changed in the, in the changing room, but no one's giving a shit or bullying her, but she just feels embarrassed about her body. And it's her mundane day. And they also show you like the shooter getting ready at his house and stuff. But again, with that, they don't, they're not glamorizing it or showing it like, or trying to scare you even. It's just like, this is a real person and he's clearly not well mm. and not doing okay. And, how methodical he is getting ready for this, and he's so young, and that's scary. And then when the shooting happens, you realise that without even uh, without using the techniques films usually use, they've made you care about the characters just through going. Hmm. That's the kid you used to sit next to in school, and that's the girl that you used to talk to, and and, and like you know and uh, have gym with or, or whatever it was, and you feel like you're watching real people get murdered for no reason and that's just how it feels it feels like something awful is happening illogically and unjustly and it, and it's a tragedy and you actually feel that it's a tragedy you don't feel like oh they're building up to this big because you know, it's like you know if you watch titanic you know what's coming the, the ship's going to sink and you're kind of looking forward to the ship sinking <laughs> you know because it, it's going to be a big epic yeah. And with this one, they could. Someone could have made that film. Someone could have made the film where it's like, you know, that's coming, and when and when we do it, you know, it's you're kind of a uh, really wrong part of your brain is looking forward mm. to it because they've made you want, you know, look forward to the action in it or whatever it is, and there's going to be a hero or whatever. But it doesn't make you do that. It, it just makes you absolutely, completely devastated. And I couldn't stop thinking about it for about a week afterwards mm. and I, and it genuinely depressed me. Like I, I had days where I just felt so upset by it and depressed by it. And it had been a long time, Yeah, you know, it'd been a few days since I'd seen it, but I was just sitting down going, Oh, those that's so awful. Yeah. And, those, and even more so than like something like Bowling for Columbine mm. did. Cause like, you know, Bowling for Columbine is uh, a very sobering and upsetting film. But Bow- Bowling for what? Sorry, Columbine. Okay, I said Columbine, didn't I? Yeah, I love it, Columbine. Yeah,
0: you made me doubt myself. No, 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 Columbine. Hey, Columbine. I'm Columbine. Yeah. <laughs> Cucumbers. Just one more thing, Columbine.
1: <laughs> oh no, it's awful, isn't it? When you realise you've been saying a word differently to everyone else. But uh, but my point is that documentary, as much as it educated me uh, in certain respects, although with his documentary, sometimes you think come on mate you're the most biased person in the world but like yeah stuff like that you go you're on the right side of this so i'm i'm pretty sure this is fine but um by the end of that year you've learned a lot and you think you understand more Mm. about the situation the fallout all that stuff yeah but i didn't sit around for days going oh man those kids and uh, what a horrific thing yeah whereas after elephant i was probably like oh god Mm. the depths of sadness yeah, I felt from watching a film of it, I can only imagine, well, I can't even imagine It's, I can't, I can't, I can't, it's, I can't imagine or conceive of how it would feel. And so like it hits you with that mm. impact fully. And I can't see myself wanting to sit down and go through that again. But if someone said to me, like, should I watch it? i like, yeah.
0: So if your girlfriend said to you, I've not seen Elephant, would you say, well, you're on your own tonight. I'm going
1: to bed. Yeah, I'd say you can watch that and i will i would rather at this point during lockdown run through the streets kissing everyone than watch that film again
0: <laughs> it's also interesting that film because he does the thing with the i think it's the fact that he does with the killers that they're just he sort of hints at all the things that everyone talks about you see them playing computer yes. games and you see that their parents seem to be a bit neglectful like there's all this sort of mini excuses or mini rationales mm. but but it's also that they're kind of completely emotionless they're just just doing things you don't see they're not angry they're not sad they're just kind of neutral just getting on with it and they go and do the stuff and then they're like yeah
1: yeah good answer yeah that that bit that that stuff where they show all all the things also it it comes to a point in it there's a point where they show the two killers kissing and at that point you're going, oh, he's not showing us like... It's
0: heartbreaking, that bit. I forgot
1: c- c- that. Because c- c- there's, there's, there's a point where you think, oh, he's showing us the reasons why they mm. did it. So there's a point where it's like, oh, okay, the kid was bullied cool. Okay, they're playing violent video games. And then at that point, I realised, oh, he's not showing us here's why they did it. He's always pointing the finger back at us and going, here's all the things that you blame this on. Mm. And you blame that on all of this. And actually you should probably think twice about blaming it on, on, on this. And I'm like, I don't know why that moment is a thing where I guess it's because it's a moment where I'd forgotten that that's what some people mm. try and blame that kind of stuff on, you know? And and you're like, Oh yeah. Like we're assholes. Yeah. <laughs> like when people. Yeah. It's also a moment like of uh, when they kiss,
0: it's like of the, maybe the only bit you see of the two of them that, that has kind of a love of life in it, that it's like, yeah a moment of joy or pleasure or delight you know what i mean yeah very
1: connection very interesting
2: (laughs) tired of spills and stains on your sofa wash away your worries with anabay Annabe, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices that's right sofas from only six hundred thirty nine dollars It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's a n a b e icom Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favourite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
1: What's the best action film you've ever seen? This is difficult. And I think this isn't the right answer. I think that if I think... Sometimes it's hard for me to know what an action film, what classes as an action film, what, what qualifies as an action film. And I'm kind of stealing this answer, in a way, from Richard Sandlin. Richard Sandlin, hopefully your listeners will be aware of Richard Sandlin's work. Uh, as, Richard as fans. Sandlin, perfect movie. Yep, as fans of comedy and film. Uh, they should be fans of Richard Sandlin. Um, uh, Richard used to do a gig called Perfect Movie, mm-hmm. and One he of would often at that... Say what his favorite. He would say his favorite action film and how it's at the time. I think he just said it was the greatest film ever made and how much he loved it. And then I watched it because I was very curious to see what this film was. And then I kind of got why he said right. that. And it was Crank. And I think that. Yeah. Okay. So here's why it's my answer because I like, I didn't want this to be my no, answer. I didn't want because it it's to Richard, be
0: answer, But go on.
1: But it's Richard's answer. Okay so that's why i didn't want it yeah because like it's not i'm stealing this from him so i didn't want it to be i want i wanted this answer to be a film that you know i'd a film that i'd seen yeah and gone that's my favorite action film but i think what i want out of an action film is just for it to be done and crank is one of the dumbest films i've ever seen it's it's just the whole premise of it that this guy has to keep his adrenaline up, otherwise he'll die. And so therefore, you have an excuse for the whole film to be him driving a, a, a car up an escalator and having sex on a basketball court in front of a crowd. And all this ridiculous stuff where basically you've, you've written a script where the rule is he has to be constantly doing high-octane activities. So great. you have a film that is just like, you want an action film? There's nothing but action in this. <laughs> we literally can't afford... To not have action in it. He's
0: going to die if there's any not action.
1: Yeah. And it just made me laugh. And by the end I was like, that's I guess that's what I want out of it. Now I haven't seen it in like ten mm-hmm. years. And I might and I definitely a big part of me thinks that I'd watch it again now and go, Oh, this is also everything I don't want from an action film. It's misogynistic. It's quite quite ugly, actually. The, the alpha maleness and the yeah. masculinity in it is something that really needs to... We really need less of it in the world. And I don't like films that endorse it that much and celebrate it. But at the time... And I, and I don't know... I've been trying to think, like, is there an action film that just qualifies as a straight-up action mm-hmm. film? Like... Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, that's, that's better, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
0: But you've said Crank, and we're going to go with Crank. But hold yeah.
1: on... Because I'm not going to change it to Mad Max Fury, right. right? There's one film that I'd change it to, mm. but I completely get it if this doesn't qualify. Because it probably doesn't. Would Scott Pilgrim <laughs> yeah. count? Yeah, it would. Would it? I
0: think so. It's a, it's oh, a then... fight film, isn't it? There's five big fights or whatever.
1: What? Oh, well, then easily that. Right. Scott Pilgrim. This and is the world. If Nish Kumar is listening to this, mm. which this is the film that we disagree on the most. Go on. He does not get... He he doesn't get why anyone likes. He hates it, he doesn't like it. Right. Maybe he hates too strong a word. I won't put words in his mouth, but he, just, he doesn't, it's not for him. He doesn't like it at all. Whereas I watch it. Miss, if you'd like your right to reply, you can have it. Yeah, yeah. Go on, James. Go for it, Nish.
0: Hello, this is Nish Kumar, being given a right to reply by Brett Goldstein to James A. Castor. I uh, don't hate Scott Pilgrim, uh, as James has made out. Um, I quite like the style of it. I like the tone of it. I'm a big fan of the director's previous two films. Um, my issues with the film and the comic are I don't really get the stakes of the world. And so it was hard for me to feel completely invested in it. And that's about the
1: extent of it. Goodbye. I don't, I don't, I don't want to speak for Nish on this podcast, but... For me, he said enough. I'm not saying that this is the, the type of film that I love, but like, I'm a big Wes, Ad- Wes Anderson mm-hmm. fan. I like films that kind of show you this is a film that you're watching <laughs> that makes it really clear. It's a film and it's very intricate and everything is very deliberate. Yeah. Like, it's like you know, might as well. Be, you might as well, with a lot of Wes Anderson films, he might as well be saying over the top, "I'm doing a one shot now, and it's going on for a long time." And those colours complement those colours, and isn't that framed nicely? And I don't mind that at all. I bloody love and it. All of this is symmetrical. Pay attention. Yeah, exactly. There's Bill Murray, um, and with Scott Pilgrim, yeah. there's that thing as well. i like, everything is a decision here. Mm. It's all. And I don't doubt that Edgar Wright stood there with like multiple options for every single element of this shot, every single element of this scene. I love the fight sequences. I love the comedy in it, the jokes in it, the way it looks. The music is great. I would struggle to think of anything in that film that I don't like, really. I think that's a
0: really good answer, James. Um, But but you said crank crank is what's going on the list.
1: Serves me right. Serves me right.
0: James A. Custer from the Bagel Factory. Yes. Of all the films that exist, if you had to, which film do you think you
1: could have made and why? Now, here's my question. Mm. Clarification on this. Go on. What do you mean? <laughs> because Do you mean mm. just any film that I go I could have made that? Or a good film.
0: I think what I mean, I'm I am i will be I'll hold my hands up and say I'm not sure about this question. But what I think I mean is, if you were able to make a film, like as in if you had the resources, the money, etc, have you seen a film and gone, yeah, that is a good sort of representation of the sort of film I think I could make if I were capable of
1: making films? Well, that's a very different question than what I thought you were right. asking. What did you th- I thought you were asking, if I had to make a film tomorrow, yeah. what could I realistically make? Oh, okay, what would mean your answer to that? Clerks. Great. Okay, but what's your answer to my one? <laughs> yeah, Clerks, you could make that. I could I make that easy. Yeah, you could
0: make that. I believe that.
1: Although I don't like Clerks. I, I mean, I should add. Right. I mean, you don't. I, mean, I, 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 I went for a massive Kevin Smith phase, yeah. but I never clicked with Clerks. Hmm. So, like, it was one of those ones where I, I was a little bit like, I felt like everyone was saying they loved it because of the story behind it and how indie it was. But I was like, yeah, mate, come on, it's made better films. Although now, yeah. I would say, looking back, I, I'm definitely not as big a fan of him. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't call myself a fan of him now. Uh, and the films that I think I do like of his, one, I've actually bought recently, just so I can watch it and see if I do like it. Which is? Dogma. Right. Do you? Or, or you haven't watched it yet? I don't right. know. I, I don't dare watch mm-hmm. it. Because I was like, I really liked it at the time, and I still, in my head, I'm like... <laughs> I love the storyline. Yeah, great. What a fucking brilliant idea for a film. Mm. It's such a good storyline, but I'm like, oh, I'm really worried that I'm going to watch it and go, oh, he absolutely shanked this. So like, or, or just go, this is just immature juvenile, mm. like you were young when you watched it and thought that you were smarter than, mm. than, than you are. And this is not a good film. So like, but one that I do genuinely like of his is Clerks 2. Yeah. and. yeah. I do genuinely think it's great and I love it. Anyway, that's not your question, but that was going to be my answer was clerks. And I was going to wax lyrical about how much I love clerks too. And that I actually think it's great. But now I've got to think on the spot. If I had, if I had. Do you understand what I mean? Does this question make sense to you now? There's multiple ways I could interpret this. The film I would just want to make, just go out and I was like, I, f- I would want to make that film because it'd be fun. Or there's like the film that is an expression of me and who I am and would be like that film. Because really, what I would want to make is yeah. Cabin in the Woods. So I'd want to go out and make this. But that's not the question. It's more. That's, no. that's still not the question.
0: <laughs> Let me give you an example. So there's a yes. film called Roger Dodger, it's a low budget film that is mostly talking, that is about men and women, a sort of, uh, you know, and and it's Mm. nice, and it's pretty simple, but it's got a good, it's set over one night, and when I saw that film, I thought, ah, that's exactly the sort of film I think I one day could, yeah, should make. You know what I mean? But, like, that feels like it's in my wheelhouse. But
1: those type of films are almost made to do that, right? Like, obviously, what I've immediately... I've not, I've not heard of Roger Dodger. I will try and mm-hmm. seek it out now. But, like, obviously, you've reminded me of the Before trilogy. Yeah, uh, and there you go. Can that you film, But that film... Those films are just almost designed to make you feel like that. So, like, you watch the Before films, mm. and especially when it's people having conversations... so you don't have to write any if you don't want to you don't have to write any subtext because there's not really subtext in conversations in real life a lot of the time people do just say what they mean to each other and especially when you got two very open and earnest people like you've got in the before trilogy especially in the first film where they're the age they are and they're just gonna sit on a train and they're gonna let's just get off here and let's just talk about everything And, and that especially the time when I watched that film, I was exactly mm. that person at the time. I mean, I, I bet I was fucking insufferable. But, like, I, I, was, I was definitely that kind of person who wanted to just, yeah. like, have those conversations. Of, let's just go, let's just open the map and put our finger down and just go to wherever it takes us. Um, and then just talk about love and life and death and everything. And then, um, I mean, what is so incredible about that trilogy? And he's one of my favourite directors. Mm-hmm. I think he's phenomenal I think he's one of the most underrated directors as well. I think like he doesn't get enough credit for how good he is. But what's great about those films is that the characters have grown up with the films, and so you got that first one that's like that, and and also uh, the second one. Even though I wasn't at that point in my life that the characters are, I wasn't married or my career wasn't like you know off and Mm -hmm. running or whatever. Like they are, they're at this more stable point in their life. But mentally, I was more. I was about that level of jaded about relationships and stuff. And so when I saw the second one, I was like, oh, how have they done this? Like, it's very magical like, what they've yeah. achieved with those films are going like, you connected to that one at the time. And now it, and it made me want to go back and watch the first one. And I went back and watched it and went, who are these absolute dickheads? Yeah. And then when I watched the third one, I was like, okay, I'm not there yet. Mm. But, but I get it. I still, uh, I'm like this is what I want from this story. They're doing what I want. yeah, And it's hard to take some of it. Some of it's like upsetting because you really connected to those characters and you're like, oh, it was such a nice point to end it at the end of Before Sunset and now you're kind of going, now nah, she such some guy off and he, he he bangs one of his students. Like, oh. But then afterwards, you're like, oh, that's great. Yeah, and also what's nice about a lot of his films is he makes you feel like you could make that film, like with tape and stuff like that, he makes you feel like you could make this, mm. but also it's brilliant and you yeah. and you connect to it and you relate to it. A it's lot. much harder than it looks.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. that's a great answer. Um, James Jacobson from the Bagel Factory. Yes. What film have you pretended to like to impress people?
1: Right. Yeah. This is hard. I'm doubting my answer as well. Really. Like I do think it's a good film, but I talk about it in higher regard than I actually like it. Okay, so it's not like I pretend to like it. Mm, you do like it, but not much. I do like it, but if people weren't saying it's one of the greatest films of all time, I wouldn't sit there in conversations going, "Oh yeah, astounded, <laughs> astounded."
0: <laughs> you use the standing for it. That's something.
1: Yeah, I, I'd be like, "Oh, that scene, nice, oh, amazing." Yeah, oh, let's God. hear it. My answer is The Godfather. Oh, mate. Great news. I can't be clear enough. I like it. Yes. However, I would say if that was just a film I knew nothing about and no one had said anything about it to me and I turned on the TV, at the end of it, I would have gone, that's a good performance by the lead characters. I think they all knock it out of the park. I really love the scene in the restaurant where he gets the gun and he shoots him in the head. Um... (laughs) Bit long, didn't need to be that long, pretty slow. Yeah, could, could have been better, could have Could have enjoyed that more, actually.
0: So, you know, I think... This is such a perfect answer for the 100th episode, because since you've been on episode one, I'd say 90 of the 99 other episodes, people have said, Godfather for the greatest film. And every time I think, is it? Yeah. Is it? Is it? And But I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, in my heart, I think, It's fucking slow, isn't it? Jesus, they're at a wedding for 25 to... Well, they're at a wedding for like an hour. Like, get over the wedding. Sure. We get it. She's at a wedding. Yep. Move locations, please. (laughs) Let's get this fucking show on the road. Why are we still at the wedding?
1: Every time I've seen The Godfather featured on like a best Mm -hmm. films of all time TV show or something like that, they always show... I made him an offer he couldn't refuse as a clip. Mm -hmm. And they show michael shooting the guy in the head in the restaurant and i'll go if it's that good why is it always the same clips if it's if it's such a masterpiece a film should be so good that you could literally pick any bit and go and what about this bit but it's just like the scene in the restaurant is fucking great that character is brilliant and iconic but then so like as much as i like it when people are talking about how i make here's the thing i haven't seen godfather 3 so I saw the first
0: one. That's how that's how, invest, how much invested you are in the
1: payoff. Yeah. Saw the first one and liked it. Mm. Saw the second one and liked it more. I think the second one is better. Mm. I I like the, um, is it Fredo? <laughs> I like that storyline all the way through. I like that he knows he betrayed him. And the, or, that that storyline and that relationship I'm fully invested in. And I really enjoyed it. But by the end, I was like, yeah, I'm good now. Maybe I'll watch the third one at some point in my life. But right now, I was like, it's fine. Uh, but to be honest and come after me, I would rather watch Goodfellas any day of the week. Honey, honey, honey percent. I I, I, I just oh, prefer it. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. In fact, now we're talking about Nish Kumar since he's been brought up. Here's what I don't get. Nish Kumar yeah. and I have talked about, you know, our game show that we've trademarked, Good Luck yeah. Not Watching Goodfellas, yes. where you sit down at any point at Goodfellas and try to do something else. <laughs> right? Great. <laughs> yeah. He's talked about that, and yet he said, Greatest Film was Godfather. Try not watching mm. Godfather. Fine. I'm busy. Yeah. This is Nish Kumar being given a right to reply by Brett Goldstein. The Godfather is amazing, and both of you are idiots. Goodbye.
1: Nish is absolutely he's, hes full of contradictions, that boy. I mean, Ugh. look, I didn't like or love the film Joker. Right. I thought whatever. I didn't hate it. Well, like, whatever. I talked to Nish about it, and he hated it. And I think that's perfectly reasonable to hate that film. But I did not expect his reason for hating it to be because it was slow. Because I know the films he likes. I was like, are you are you are you, are you shitting me, Nish? Yeah. I got so many good reasons to hate that film. Like, too slow, boring. Are you you love you love one-hour wedding film. One-hour weddings. You like wedding videos. Shot very well, to be fair. Yes, to be fair to them. <laughs> That's all this watches is. It's Godfather <laughs> and the Deer Hunter. Over and over again. Mark me. And Wedding crashes.
0: <laughs> They're his three favourite films. <laughs> and the Lucy Punch film, The Wedding Tape. You know You're what I would really
1: like to see yeah, in, in terms of film crossovers. Are uh, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson's characters from Wedding Crashers crashing the wedding in Deer Hunter?
0: Oh, mate. Oh, i love... That would really perk that film <laughs> up, actually. And them trying to... <laughs> and Christopher Walken hands them a gun and says, join in. Yeah. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. That yeah. would really poke that film up. Both yeah, of those I mean... films would benefit uh, being crashed by Vince and Owen. <laughs> yeah, those two. Right. What film... Have you never seen that you think it's mad that you've never seen it? Great
1: question. I'm going to ha- I might have to explain this answer because you might hear it and go that's it. but my answer mm-hmm. is The Princess Bride. That is absolutely
0: mad. Next question. What <laughs> is the film that you can only watch alone? Is that what you plan to do? <laughs> you answered the question perfectly. Okay,
1: great. That is mad. Yeah, you agree that it's mad? Completely mad. There are there are more there are bigger films that I haven't seen that are on the films to watch before you die lists and stuff like that. I've mm-hmm. not seen Apocalypse Now or anything. But I think it's understandable why I haven't sat down and watched Apocalypse now yet, because it's very long yeah. and heavy. And so understandable. Princess Bride seems 100 percent up my street. I already know I would like it. Yeah. And I think it's mad that I haven't watched it. Next question.
0: Absolutely mad. That's mad. You've yeah. answered you've read the question and you've answered it.
1: And now let's move on to a question which I'll admit, makes zero sense and I don't have an answer for.
0: <laughs> okay, the question is, what film can you only watch alone? What are you talking about? <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess it's different with you and your girlfriend that you'll watch anything a chat through. <laughs> but, like, you'll go, like, oh, yeah, let's whack on Tyrannosaur We'll have a sexy night in. So I say, mean, a film... I would probably think something like Tyrannosaur, where I'd go, okay, no, that's not quite what I mean. I mean, a film that... I love, but I don't expect anyone else to like it. So I'm not even—I'm not even going. You should watch this film. I'm just going. I—I love this film. It's probably not for you. We don't need to talk about it. I'm not going to push this one. I'm just going to watch this on my own. I'm going to be happy in myself. You know, my my second best film of last year was High Life, and I possibly put that in that category. I fucking love High Life. But I don't really expect anyone else to. So I wouldn't necessarily go, you'll love this, even though I loved it. Because I would fully understand why you might hate it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to show my girlfriend that because I don't want to feel her boredom. Mm. (laughs) And sort of disappointment in it. I just like, forget it. I'll just watch this. Sure. This
1: one's for me. This one's for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, then we're kind of bordering on guilty pleasure films, right? No. No, it's not that. That's not what you mean. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why. I mean, look, is,
0: these are new questions, and some of them might need finessing. But I appreciate that. It's what's the film you can only watch alone? You don't want to watch it with anyone else. I mean, it could be a, a dirty film, I suppose. I hadn't thought of it like that, but now I am. Well, those
1: are the only. I mean, I, I can't believe you hadn't thought of it like that. It's, it's the only. It's the only answer I thought you were driving at. I think you were basically you be. I mean. For those people who don't know uh, Brett's entire history, uh, he's mm. been porn-free for quite a few years now, <sighs> doesn't watch pornography at all, and uh, which, well done, by the way, it's th- mm. th- the way to go, but right. I imagine Brett just wants to hear about pornos from people. OK,
0: well, let's take it that way. That is-
1: put a, he put a question in that is basically, please tell me your favourite porn film. And then I tell you and you go, oh, that was enough. That'll keep me going for another decade. I just remembered Acast's description of a porn film.
0: Yeah, that's a great way of reading it. It's your interpretation. So if that's how you read it, then please go ahead.
1: I can't because I can't, my, my parents listen to every single podcast I ever do. Do they? Um, Shout and, out. And, and while I'm sure they assume that I've watched pornography, I don't mm. want them to know the The specifics. The specific. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I imagine
0: you like whimsy porn. <laughs> sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's directed by Tim Burton. All the all the porn I watch.
0: <laughs> yeah, lots of people dressed up as animals, like yep. in fields. Yeah. Sure. Being slight, slightly ironic. So many Fli- flights of fancy. Slightly ironic sex. A flight of They're fancy. They're doing it, but they don't really mean it. They're being quite yeah. sweet about it. <laughs> Um, and when they come they
1: float (laughs) do you know what what right now Mm. we were saying about Dogma earlier yeah I think mainly just because I I loved it Mm. and now I'm scared it might be rubbish I would want to watch it on my own because great answer great answer I wouldn't want to sit somewhere down and go I used to love this film put Mm. it on and go so I was an idiot yeah you
0: can't vouch for it it's a film maybe you can't vouch for that's great
1: yeah And I would would probably still feel sentimental about it, watching it. I'd still probably enjoy watching it because it reminds me of that time in my life. Mm -hmm. And I do, as I say, I really love the story behind it and the idea behind it. But definitely, if some point, you know, during this lockdown and us watching a film every night, my girlfriend was like, let's watch that. I'm like, no.
0: No, I'm I'm, putting on the whimsy porn. Yeah. Yeah. Watch that together.
1: And and do not talk through it.
0: Finally, some respect. Um, what is the film? Oh, yeah, this is this is a fair one. What is
1: the film sure. you would show a lover as a test
0: to see if you should be together?
1: Now, I completely understand what you mean by this. Yeah, I honestly don't have a film that I do this with. Okay, I probably used to, but I can't remember what the films were. But no. I definitely used to have like little. Tests, albums, films, mm. books or whatever when I was in relationships when I was probably in my 20s.
0: I guess it's a deal breaker. What's the film that's a deal breaker? That's really... The
1: deal breaker. So that's, that's how I yeah, that's how I chose to interpret it. Yes. If
0: she doesn't like this, you can't be
1: with her. Yeah. And by the way, mm. there's probably no film I feel like that 100% about. But the film that's closest to that mm. is, and we, we've already mentioned this director, is Boyhood right and boyhood this is not only one of my favorite films but also i was saying early on about the oscars it was the first time i got invested in the oscars so the year when boyhood came out mm-hmm. i for whatever reason decided it was it would be fun to watch all of the nominees or for best picture right and boyhood i'd already heard about it i knew what they'd done that they'd like filmed it over 12 years i think or 13 years and use the same actors, and you genuinely see the actors grow up and age and mature. And I did it like once a summer for that amount of time. And I knew that I liked him and his films. I, I, I'd seen, you know, the before films, I'd seen School of Rock, which is incredible. I know that you appreciate School of Rock as well. It's one of the top, top Which ten. would also almost be an answer for this. The emotions that he conveys in his films are so... Authentic and important as well, and like He's the a proper
0: humanist, isn't he? Yes, he is the he very is.
1: definition of that. School of Rock is another film where if I watch it with someone and they went, nah, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, you're you don't care about the same things as me, yeah. or you don't get it. But boyhood is so I just think it's just so beautiful. The, the kind of the way that you not only watch the characters grow up, but you watch the actors grow up and get better and worse at acting as they get older as well <laughs> yeah. like you you, you you see the main character kind of as a little boy just be able to act and then getting awkward and being quite aware of what he's doing and being not so good at it and then end good at it again and like believable again and it's nice to see that journey with an actor and go oh yeah like you know he, he kind of he was, he was just thinking... He wasn't even thinking about it to begin with. And when he started thinking about it, it got difficult. And then he trained himself to be able to think about it and do it deliberately and was good at it by the end. And that's that's good to see. I've never had that in a film. And I was so in love with that film. And I liked a lot of the nominees that year. I think Whiplash came out that year, stuff like that. And I liked Birdman. Yeah, But I was so like rooting for boyhood to win. And I was like, in my heart, I was like, it has to win because no one's ever done this. No one's done this before. And it could have been atrocious. He could have dedicated 12 years of his life to making an absolute steaming dump of a film where like the story doesn't make sense. It actually doesn't pan out that you don't care about the characters. The actors are awful. You know, to execute it as well as they did as well. And maintain that level of just like authenticity to it. So, this is like watching an acrobat achieve something impossible and land it at the end, and they deserve just to be celebrated Mm -hmm. all night. And I think they got one Oscar for best supporting actress, and that was it. Yeah. And Birdman won, which was a film about actors. Mm. And I was so furious. And I just felt like anyone, whenever anyone doesn't like Boyhood, I feel like they're saying I preferred Birdman. <laughs> yeah, it's like
0: it's like people who don't like Bill
1: Street, you prefer Green Book, did you? Exactly, exactly. That's what <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, that's what I will yeah. feel. And even though earlier I said I like films that deliberately show this is a film, I guess I only like it if they do it to like a hundred percent commit to it. Birdman is like we're doing a one-shot, even though it's not a one-shot, it's like mm. four, but, like, they're going, the whole film is we're doing this. It's, like, great, fun, some of it is funny, I like the drums in it, but, like, yeah, in gosh. general, I was like, no, nah, this is like a, this is like someone talking you through why they should win Best Picture. And Boyhood, Boyhood is someone going, here's not just the director's heart, but mm. everybody in the cast and crew and everything – Pulling their heart from their chest and showing it to you, and then them going, "No, nah, we like the people who told us they were clever." I go, "You fucking joke." But they Birdman, they've all pulled their brains out, and they're going, "Here's our brains." Yeah, it's very <laughs> this... true. I also so... say,
0: hold my hands up. I don't understand the end of Birdman. Right, I yeah. don't get it. I actually don't get Birdman. I enjoyed it all the way through. I was really with it. I was like, this is really yeah. great. And then the last three scenes happened and I was like, I don't understand Birdman.
1: You do understand it. You just think that they're doing something they're not. Right. Birdman, okay. the end of Birdman, I think, you're meant to sit there and go, so what does that symbolise at the end? Did he actually fly? Is that the thing? Is that he actually becomes, It was re- he's really Birdman? Or is it like, it's imaginary? Or no. I just think at the end they went, I haven't fly away, have I? I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to end this. <laughs> I don't know how to end the film. Yeah,
0: I think that may be true, because when he shoots himself, I was like, what? Is that? Mm-hmm. Is that what you wanted to have? Is that where you were headed with this? That feels like
1: we've gone in the other direction of what you were... No, I don't really understand it. Also, that's a good category uh, for this podcast, cool. is films that should have ended somewhere else and would have been a million yeah. times better.
0: Yeah. All right, I might swap that question that you didn't like for that later.
1: (laughs) If Birdman just ended with him shooting himself and that was the end of the film, I would have liked it more than afterwards. And I get that it's nice to kind of have it that at the end, he got a good review and that's still what matters to them all, even though it clearly wasn't worth it and that it's like a little bit of a joke at the end. But I still would have preferred it that he gets shot and that's the end, he shoots himself and that's the end of the film. Hmm. You know, and there's a few films that are like that, where you go, and now although I yeah. know I shouted it out earlier and you wouldn't let me talk about it. A film the recent of Pride. <laughs> yeah. a, a film recently that I thought was gonna do that and didn't, and it was so satisfying, was Blind Spotting, where mm. there was two points where I thought, end it there, and it didn't end it there, and then they did a better ending. And they did it twice as well. Yeah. And I it was so impressive for that. That there was a point I was like absolutely end it there they didn't and then they got to another point i was like oh genius oh well that's the ending then and then it wasn't it was like oh you are going to ruin it after. no. You're not, you're not even better. <laughs> so like absolutely loved it and then while we're on the subject because i don't know if i'll ever get to be on this podcast again uh... the film that and i've never had an experience like this with a film hmm. where i loved a hundred percent the whole film apart from the very last bit the final 10 seconds hmm. was the Florida project where <sighs> I was like, get off this podcast. Listen, I completely appreciate that because it is, and I don't want this to put anyone off of watching this film because it is.
0: Listen, I don't want breath- put anyone put, this putting anyone off James Agarstay because he is a good guy. Really? He's just,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's breathtaking. Mm-hmm. It's a breathtaking film. And then, the last, and then the very last, like, just, it's not an iota of it. Mm. And, and, and I appreciate it's it's not being put in there to please everybody. And and I don't mind when I fall on the side that didn't like a choice, but I know that that's the point is that they've decided to do what they want. But when it switches to being filmed on an iPhone yeah. and, and it's like that, if they had ended, and if you haven't seen it, don't, don't skip this, but if it had ended on her face, when she's at her oh, friend's door yeah. and she's crying, I said out loud, apologies for it, I said out loud, who the fuck is this girl? Cause her performance. <laughs> yeah. I was like, she's what the us. fuck is this? That crying. I was mm. like, Oh my God. And then a millisecond later, I went, what the fuck? What happened there? Mm. Um, and it was so confusing. I had, to, you know, look it up afterwards and be like, "Why did he do that? Why did the director do that?" And then I read his reasoning for doing it, and I was like, "Well, that hasn't. What the fuck film did you think you were making, mate? Have you read what he th- what he thinks of his film? Go on. He thinks he was he was making an updated version of the Little Rascals. Yeah, I do know that. Blows my mind. I say this. Yes, I love it. I love it. Good. I'm glad. But Joe, you know what it makes love me glad it. that you love it because I want. I want there to be people yeah, who feel the opposite it's, way it's to me. Br- it's brilliant, and I
0: also I think without it, it's it's interesting. You're really against it because without it, it's a very different film. It's a it's a very different, end it's interesting. It's such a short bit, but it changes the feel, the the uh, the emotion, the message. Everything changes in that last bit.
1: But also, it's not real, right? It's a
0: it's a, it's a dream. Well, it's sort of up to you, sure, because it is also. Real. Either way, there's an element of, I don't know how long that's going to last, that bit, mm-hmm. yeah. but it could be real, it just probably won't be for long, but it's yeah. nice, and it's also this dream, the American dream, the whole dream is there, and then yeah. they get to, they can go and have it for a little bit, but it's it's limited. Yeah. Interesting. What is the film that made you the most uncomfortable? It's not another porno question. Or it can be. It's up to you. Could be, couldn't it? Oh, yeah. This is... Oh, yeah, it's a porno. <laughs>
1: God. May I say, though, I love this film. It's one of my favourite films ever. Right. But the first time I watched it, I was so uncomfortable, and I loved how uncomfortable I was as well, is Happiness. Oh, boy. So, I don't think any film I've watched is exactly like it, apart from films by the same director. He kind of hits that, uh, tone really well unlike anybody else but um I can't remember his name I Todd something. Todd but Smith. uh there's a few bits in the film where I'm incredibly awkward. Mm-hmm. I feel incredibly awkward. One is when and also like you know laughing at the same time, but when uh Philip Seymour Hoffman finally tells the woman that he's been like in love with that you know kind of how he feels and then it turns out she's murdered someone else <laughs> <laughs> it's like I I mean it's still now every time I think about it I think that is absolutely genius to think of to write write a character write a, characters like that and a scene like that but the scene when they're talking is like the whole relation the whole back and forth between them, the performances of those two actors is so awkward and you're like it's so cringy and you're like oh my god I can't believe this is happening obviously the famous scene from Happiness which is awkward is when the dad of the his his son's got a friend coming over and the dad is a pedophile mm. and is in love with or fancies his friend his son's friend and has drugged a sandwich that he's given to the boy and again just the way it's set up is staggering because i the first time i watched it he's so creepy and it's so skin crawlingly just like you just want to look away you're like this whole thing is horrible and yet there's a part of me that's like, I hope he eats the sandwich that kid. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like, How have you made me want that? How have you made me root for the guy who I <laughs> root, know is root like... for the pedo. One of the worst examples of a human being like that. It's abhorrent. And in my real life, I would never feel like that. And yet somehow you've made me go, well, he's put all this work into it. All this time and effort. And so I feel doubly awkward on top of that while I'm watching it because I'm like... Ah! Why am I feeling like this? This is awful. And and the whole thing, and you just feel not just awkward, but ashamed. It's everything. Just all rolled into one in, in, that, in that story. And there are multiple scenes throughout the film where he's just seeking to unsettle you and make you feel uncomfortable in different ways and make you feel like you don't want to look away, but also you want to run away. Like, I want to... I want, to, I want to. I want to. That would be the film if I was to ever like go to one of those gyms that have like a treadmill with a screen. I'd be like, yeah, put that on because then I can feel like I'm running while watching it. But you'd want it behind you. Yeah, yeah, that, that gets difficult then. Mm. Good answer.
0: Correct. Correct answer. <laughs> I like this question, James Custer from the Bagel yeah. Factory. If you could show a child one mm. film. What would it be? And not so you can get them. Please separate this from the question that just came before. You're not trying to get anything out of this child. <laughs> you're, okay. you're hopefully doing a nice thing for this child. <laughs> oh, yes, no, there's nothing in it for you. You're yes. just, you're, you're looking after a child consensually. Yeah. What film do you show the
1: child? No, This is tricky as well. There's a bunch of different routes to go here. I think on the last time I was on the podcast, and by the way, I don't remember all of my answers last time I was on, and I'm worried that I'll be repeating myself sometimes with some of my answers. But one film that I know I definitely mentioned the last time I was on was Spirited Away. I think I definitely mentioned that when I was last on it. And I think probably if I was to, like, show a kid a film that I thought was, like, an important film for a kid to see, a child to see, it would probably be that, because I think it's, uh, it's perfect and... The kid will probably grow up to be a better person if they watch it. But I've got nephews. Okay, I have four. I have four nephews. Bragging, and I can't envision ever doing that with them mm. because I don't think they would pay attention to it. Yeah. And my go-to film that I do watch with my nephews and that I put on, and this is my actual answer, is Detective Pikachu. <laughs> I ain't seen it. Is it good? I absolutely love it. Oh, great. And look. Yes, I have Pokemon Go on my phone, and I know all the names of the Pokemon, so it makes it a lot easier for me to watch the film. Because I,
0: you, there's... you know, the backstory.
1: Well, it's mainly because, basically, if you if you play Pokemon on your phone or the cards or whatever the other versions there are, then the film is just a big bag of Easter eggs, and it's just here's all the Pokemon you've seen before. There's one in the background. There's one in the foreground. There's one talking. There's one swinging about, And you're like, I know them all. I don't know. So like, and one of the main ways that I relate to my nephews and connect with them is by talking about Pokemon. And I got it on my phone because I was watching the Pokemon cartoon with them uh, at at their house. Uh, And remembered that there's this app and I thought oh that's something we can do whenever I visit is we can go out it's a good way to get them out of the house go for a walk together so I got that on, on my phone but I was on tour at the time so I was constantly on it gotten obsessed with the game and then every time I see them I immediately say have you got any new Pokemon and would be their first question and sometimes I get impatient because I haven't seen them in a while and I send them screen grabs of new Pokemon that I've got and by the way I got four nephews but they're not brothers like two of them are brothers and another two of them are brothers they're different families uh and two of them visited me once in london and we were meant to be going to the because they all love pokemon but we were meant to go to the pokemon pop-up shop at westfield and we went there and we basically couldn't get in and i realized i'd failed as an uncle and i'd really i'd really ruined it and so i was like well let's go to hmv because it was too
0: it was busy. Just, oh, why
1: couldn't you get in? Too busy. It's redi- Oh, it's an absolute nightmare how they right. organise it. Basically, they seem to let about four kids in at a time. So they just got a whole shop to themselves. Mm. So, social distancing. Uh, well, it wasn't back then, but like, yeah, they were ahead of their time, I guess. Mm. And like, so the shop was virtually empty with like four kids. And, 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 and all the kids who were queuing up, we got there at four in the afternoon or three in the afternoon. And by the time we got there, all the kids who were queuing up had been there since 10 a.m., and and, um so it's a a shambles anyway hmv was across the way i went let's go in there get a dvd my nephew chose detective pikachu we went home and watched it with bowls of ice cream it's brilliant his cousins heard about it and were like we want to do that next time we visit so we had a detective pikachu and ice cream night both evenings were absolutely brilliant and really if i'm showing a kid spirited away it's because I'm trying to impart something to them. and it's I, because I think, you're being watched. Yeah, or I think I th- I think it will make them better people and blah, blah, yeah. blah. But really, I saw Spirited Away when I was 16. I wasn't a little kid. I was 16 and I thought it was great. And actually, it's probably a more appropriate age to watch it. And actually, if I want to see my nephews really enjoy a film and just love it, I put on Detective Pikachu. And even films that... There's other films i considered for this. I, I, I wrote down Coco, Paddington 2... The Lego Movie, the Lego Movie is the only one that came close actually because Coco and um, Paddington Two I think are brilliant. But again, I think in order to really appreciate how brilliant they are, you have to be an adult. And even Paddington Two, like I think you really have to like appreciate that they don't they don't there's no missteps in that film. It's great. But Lego Movie is the only one where I think like it's a perfect blend of that I think adults and kids enjoy it at the exact same intense level for different reasons. And it's like, it's it's doing everything a kid wants in a film of being just 100 miles an hour, like stuff happening all the time and really colourful and all this. And then everything that an adult wants where every single joke is, is brilliant, every single character is brilliant, the story is great. And they're just like, those guys who made that film, again, I'm bad with names sometimes, but Lord and Miller. I don't know if I can think of Right. I don't think I can think of someone else who consistently has made films where I've seen the poster and gone, someone's about to not have a career, and then they become my favourite films afterwards. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. (laughs) When I saw the poster for that, I went, well, I hope you got fired, you absolute piece (laughs) of shit. And then I saw the film, I was like, how the hell Mm -hmm. have they pulled that off? That... It's, it is brilliant. Like, it's so good. The idea is so convoluted, and yet they make it so simple, and, and it works. The Lego movie, I was like, are you shitting... Holy Christ. And then uh, the Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Verse film, yeah. you're like, no, no. It's not- I, 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 again, every time I don't know that there's that team behind it. Right. Spider-Verse, I'm like, don't do a... Sp- oh, this is going to be awful incredible incredible like the only other film that is that i feel that way about there's four films that i feel that way well i've seen that they've made it and thought, do don't make that and i've seen it i thought it's brilliant and i like it so much to the same degree as the three films i've just mentioned that i would think it was probably by the same guy is the social network <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if actually the team behind cloudy with a chance of meatballs made the social network yeah was... i was like don't make a film about that that'd be shit oh that was brilliant <laughs>
0: James Acaster what a glorious guest you have been again I'm quite glad I brought you back to life but I will say this you asked will I get killed again and let's just say for now I'm going to let you live however just in case let's make a little will in your will you're allowed to leave one DVD to your loved ones what are you going to leave them just in case you were to die again
1: Wow! I was yeah. not aware this question was coming around the bend. So, the fir- it'd probably be one of the ones that I mentioned on the first episode I did with you.
0: Boy, is it?
1: Is it going to be Boy? It's not going to be Boy, although one of my favourite films ever. It would be either, mm-hmm. so this, this, and this is what it always comes down to in my head when someone says favourite film, and I have to think, and it's either, every time, it's either Spinal Tap or Eternal Sunshine, every time. I've uh, still right. probably yet to see a film. That means as much to me as either one of those. But they're very different. And I'd say the film that I've shown to the most amount of people out of those two is Spinal Tap. So if I'm leaving something in Love my it. will, then it's going to be that. That's fantastic. I, I'd, I'd want people to watch that.
0: And you know, they'd all be at your funeral talking about a Spinal Tap and they'd have, yeah. a lovely, they'd have a lovely time and they'd be going, I'm so glad they left in that. And then someone would go,
1: Yeah, that cunt's never seen, yeah, the, he's seen the Prince of Pride, that guy. he didn't even like The Godfather that much. Yeah.
0: Start spitting on the coffin. I'm glad he's dead. Says someone. Okay. Oh, hang on, guys. He left us Spinal Tap. Give him a break. Yeah, it's the one nice.
1: that, like, if if I if I lent someone Eternal Sunshine, or left it for them, I would be worried that they would watch it and go, oh, "He was pretentious, wasn't he, James Acaster?" But if I showed them Spinal Tap, they didn't like it. I would just from my grave, deep underground in my coffin, I'd just go wrong. <laughs> you know, it's probably the only film where if someone told me they didn't uh... like it, I would just say wrong everything else everything else is subjective but if someone says I don't like Spinal Tap well well, you're wrong I'm afraid you do like it yeah you do like it you do like it you do like it (laughs) it's brilliant so (laughs) and you're going to sit
0: here and you're going to watch it again until you like it wrong bad luck yeah that's been a very long record we've done yes Um, I've loved it I'm so grateful to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming back. Congratulations on the circle of life. Thank you. I'm glad that you get to live again. And um, hmm, let me just be for a second um, Detective Columbine. (laughs) Uh, Just just, just one more thing. Um, I hope that your girlfriend from Salford, who you turn up at her house when when you're 22, when you never met and you threaten her with your love, and say that you need to stop wasting your time and get with me now. I really hope that works out and I hope that she and you have a wonderful life together even though most nights you're getting up at two to head off to the bagel factory where you become the master bagel maker. Yes. And I don't know what she will become but I know that she'll be very proud and happy to be married to Master Bagel. (laughs) Um, Thank you for doing this show. Thank you. And I wish you a happy and bagel life. Good day. Thank you, Brett. So that was episode 100. You did it! Wow. 100. Well done. Thank you, everyone. I really mean that. Anyone who's listened to this. What a thing. It's amazing. I appreciate it. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 25 minutes of chat, secrets, and the full uncut video with James. Go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's a nice thing to do, it's a lovely thing to read, and it helps numbers, etc., and I appreciate it. Thank you so much to James for being number one and number 100. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to ACAST for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Leiden for the artwork. Come join me next week for a wonderful 101st episode. And for the next 100, we will have lots of new guests and loads of resurrections. So in the meantime, have a lovely week. And please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other.